0: The following program contains coarse language and nudity.
1: Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, this is Alexis and this is the Trans Advocate Podcast. And tonight's going to be an interview with... Dr. Victoria Papp. Otherwise known as...
0: Vita Papp. So,
1: you're in Houston, why?
0: Because y'all invited me... Excellent. ...to the Unity Banquet.
1: Yeah, the Unity Banquet was... Last week when we're recording this, uh, it'll be a few weeks before it shows up, but it was September 21st. I got the date right. Correct. I've been thinking about next year's ever since we had this one, so I almost got it wrong. And uh, it, it, it's basically a really nice event. Lots of people came, and these was one of our speakers. What did you talk about?
0: Um, this thing that I do, which is language and speech and identity, really. I connected it to gender in the end, though. Right, language and identity? Yeah, both of those. Hmm. Well, all of those.
1: And they sort of link together?
0: Yeah, the bridge between them is the idiolect how an um, identity speaks through language, how it manifests through language.
1: That sounds pretty high level. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and yet, you have at least a handful uh, in your arsenal. Ah, hmm. To <laughs> just say yeah. See,
1: see, see. This is one of the things that we've found, and that is that uh, visa can get very, very technical.
0: What? <laughs> I haven't even gotten started.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so the 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 topic. Uh, do the like three minute version of it. Oh, no. (laughs) I didn't
0: prepare an elevator. This this is is the
1: summary summary of the summary.
0: All right. Uh, Can we just play it back at triple speed? No. That will be almost We can, but we won't. (laughs) Um, I talked about how language is very deeply rooted in culture. And I talked about how space and uh, time, colors gender are very strongly and differently conceptualized through different languages and i wanted to tie it into what is normal is not that simple to define and i'm hoping to try and break what is considered normal what genders you know what femininity sounds when it's the normal population and what it means that um someone sounds different and i'm trying to break these apart and break them down until we start seeing all the shades between all of these genders or around not necessarily just between
1: if i was listening right you were also talking about how language affects the way we're treated
0: yes yeah how the world sees you and how you see the world through language Whether the language you speak, or the language variety, or the gendered language variety you speak, is going to make the world treat you differently. And it's also going to make you view the world differently.
1: Interesting. Just so everybody knows, Pretty soon this talk is going to be out available on the TFA Houston website. So you can go to tfahouston.com and see what she's talking about.
0: And you can listen to it at double or triple speed. We're not going to hold it against
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty quick. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there's that. Um, but... so, so what else have you done since you've been here?
0: Oh, Well, I'm glad you're asking because I got to hang out with so many members of the community and we got to work on voice. We got to work on everyone's voice who showed up here. We were having uh, sessions. We had a couple of group sessions where people showed up, typically people who were trying to move in one particular direction. So we had a feminizing group and we had a tiny masculinizing group and we worked on people's voices just to see if it better matches their authentic self.
1: You went to school for a while here. I know that's where we met. We, wee were while,
0: for yeah. <laughs> I did my doctorate at Rice University, and I had a supervisor at the University of Houston as well.
1: Uh-huh. And so did you go back and see them?
0: Yeah, I saw both lots, in fact. I went, to, uh, <laughs> I went to Rice, and I talked to them on Thursday and went to U of H today, which is a Friday, and talked to them as well.
1: So... So basically, you've been sort of working, but not working the entire time you're here.
0: Exactly. I, yeah, I've been talking all <laughs> since I've
1: gotten here. But, but you're a speech voice person, so talking seems like work.
0: Yeah, but I also communicate as a human being, I thought. But yeah, at this uh. point, I'm having doubts. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of professional talking, but I also got to meet people and hang out before after sessions. Which was also very, very nice. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: um what what things do you like to do, interest you? Um, you know, what would you like to do if uh you could do anything you wanted to? To people's voices, you mean?
0: <laughs> you mean uh in I'm my... leaving the question just hanging there. <laughs> oh, that's way too easy. Or actually way too hard. You mean in my free time, in my research, in my teaching? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Um, for research, I've been working on the transmasculine voice a lot. I worked on the pitch, the resonant characteristics. I taught, I worked on what binders do to your voice, not just simply to your breathing, but to your voice.
1: What do they do? Huh? I mean, this is something I'm curious about suddenly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I fully acknowledge that it's not just trans men who might wear binders, but even non-binary people and also trans feminine people if and when they need to uh, look flat chested. So it's actually probably a lot more expensive than I'm making it seem. It does one thing. While people are really good at inhaling in a binder, the control is completely given over to the binder when you're exhaling. Now, if you think about it, that sounds like, okay, one component of the breathing, no big deal on inhale, big deal on exhale. But if you think about it, speech is nothing but inhaling while making noise, right?
1: It doesn't work as well for me. <laughs> I'm not sure about other people. I sound a little weird usually when I'm doing the talking inhaling.
0: Oh, yeah, that's the heroin voice kind of a thing when you're inhaling. Yeah. It's cool though, right? Apparently, this kind of Speech does it, does or voice?
1: It, does it push your voice higher or lower you
0: ever so lightly <laughs> <laughs> this voice used to be used by apparently swiss boys who were courting why do you think they used that this voice
1: uh, any idea i come up with i'm not going to say <laughs> oh
0: brilliant oh i see i see okay i walk that into myself no the idea was that even if someone overheard them no one knew who was courting the lady
1: Ah, it was a fictitious voice just in case.
0: Yeah, and you cannot really do identity out of this voice because there's just not a whole lot of of it remaining in the voice.
1: Can you do identity for a normal voice?
0: Me personally or people in general? Yes. Yes, I mean, we're really good at uh, picking up the phone and recognizing relatives or people. Yeah,
1: usually in one word. Yeah, exactly. Which is, has always amazed me. It's like, wow.
0: Yeah, just basically from hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's actually quite easy, and even we can, even if you don't know the voice, you can very quickly say a lot or sense a lot about the speaker. Oftentimes, you can uh, sense their gender, presentation, expression. You can hear their height. Short people sound different than tall people. You can also hear their ethnicity. There was a famous study about how just the word hello was um, the accent in which someone delivered this hello could predict whether you would get a rental property or not. Wow. Whether someone (laughs) used their white voice, their Hispanic voice, or African-American voice.
1: And that's sad, but really, really almost scary.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Just from one word, and the decision is pretty much made.
1: I hadn't thought about that, but I I can see that because you form first impressions really, really fast.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it's very hard to unhear what you already heard in a voice. So you will keep it, even though someone speaks now higher or lower, faster, more white, more Hispanic. You will remember what your first impression was.
1: So voices are pretty darn important and how in your intonation and pitch and phrasing and what else what i miss everything
0: i mean you didn't miss everything there's a lot going into yeah. it like uh, yeah pitch intonation phrasing your rhythm like how choppy you are speaking or how intonation is moving together with your speech
1: rhythm so most of your, or much of your life you spend thinking about working on, studying, um, and working with voices?
0: Yes. When I'm not thinking about working with voices, I work with voices. <laughs> 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 but I must say the two take a similar amount of time. <laughs> you have to write up your research, you know. Yeah. That's uh, thinking, about, yes. uh, thinking about voices. But, you know, I, I can say that I'm a person who gets paid to hear voices
1: <laughs> hmm. right yeah yeah so other than teach what do you do
0: I do research and I wear two hats in that area I work on the transgender do voice. any of them have feathers only one of them oh, okay. I'm just checking
1: you know I mean I like feathers and hats just to, you know yeah that especially makes big feathers but big uh,
0: feathers and hats yeah. I remember that Yes, so I work in transgender voice, non-binary voice, all sorts of gendered voices. And I also work as a forensic speech scientist.
1: Okay. Now now, now we have another topic. (laughs) This this sounds like, you know, CSI or something. And you would be
0: surprised how close and far it is at the same time from it. Yes, Uh it is using voice writing as evidence in the courtroom case or to help the work of police. And also it's quite far because I still haven't found that green button that every subfield in CSI gets to slam and the result just falls out of the computer. You don't have a machine to do it yet? We have a machine. We don't have the green button. That's (laughs) the only thing we're missing. (laughs) So yeah, I'm still looking forward to finding that button and slamming it so I can speed up the process.
1: So so voice writing, etc., is significantly... um, determine that it doesn't change enough so that you can actually use it in the courtroom.
0: All of them do change. I mean, you know, you write differently when you're sober and when you're less sober, or you change hands, you will write differently. And you will use different language as well when you're writing sober or not so sober. Similarly, your voice changes in the morning, it's deep and gravelly. At the end of the day, when you've lectured too long, it's gravelly and disappearing on you when you had a cold it's gravelly and disappearing on you when you're talking to tiny humans and tiny animals it's going to be all high-pitched and happy and when you're trying to I don't know control your teenage children that does sound different too
1: but it's still you when you're just sort of wandering around not actually at work or anything like that do you analyze people's voices (laughs)
0: I feel I need to answer no, but I,
1: <laughs> so people a, will would, still talk to me. Would, would that be a lie? No,
0: <laughs> that would be some amount of a lie. I'm not obsessively analyzing, okay. but I do notice, like, oh, that was a really interesting breathy voice quality, or that pitch, uh, that that intonation contour channels the percept of something. Like you might be 16 year old, but you are really good at channeling this grandmother's <laughs> feeling or sounding. So those are always like something that I put in my mental auditory pocket, (laughs) Uh, also known
1: as memory. Yes. So you've also written or co-authored several books, I believe.
0: No, just articles.
1: Just articles. I'm boring. Yeah, just articles. So you're short books as opposed to long. Never mind. Very, very short. (laughs) And they're, I presume, on voice and forensics and those things?
0: I don't tend to publish about forensic analysis. I do casework for crown uh, law and police forces. That's not something I tend to publish on. I publish on linguisticky topics and voicey topics, to use technical uh, terms.
1: term. I, I know there was one of your books that several people were interested in. I didn't get to look at it because you only had one.
0: Oh, ooh, here's... <laughs> uh, uh, that's not my book. Oh, okay. it's um, not, not my book. No, that was a wonderful book edited by wonderful people who have been in the transgender voice care field for possibly longer Ah. than my life, which is (laughs) disturbing to think of, because I ended up in that book. One of my articles that I co-authored ended up in that
1: Ah, book. Ah, okay. Because I thought you had something to do with it. I wasn't sure what. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I'm also a a promoter of that book. (laughs) It's good. It's the most up-to-date manual. Yeah,
1: this has been my third try to get you to say what the book is.
0: Oh, I'm (laughs) going to hold out on you. No. It is uh, Jack Pickering, uh, Michelle Mordaunt, and Richard Adler's edited a book, the third volume of a book, the most up-to-date volume of the book, uh, called... Uh, voice and communication care for transgender and gender diverse client, or some such. I always have a hard time with the title because I remember the previous two editions' titles that changed. Got it. Yeah. It used to be, you know, transgender slash transsexual. Thank goodness that died with this edition. <laughs> so yeah, that book. It's easy to find as long as you search for Pickering, Mordaunt and Adler two thousand and I think nineteen or eighteen.
1: So you've been pretty busy while you're in Houston.
0: Yeah, but I feel really good about it. Usually I'm like, oh, I'm going to run myself into the ground. But this was fantastic to have such a wide survey of what people want and what they need and what they think about their own voice.
1: And you spoke at Rice.
0: Yeah, I went back and spoke to them. That was about forensic speech science. Uh-huh. Just to just to you know mix things up a little bit. And
1: then you spoke at University of Houston.
0: That's right about transgender voice care, and they were amazing, absolutely amazing. I'm yeah, I'm really hyped about that session.
1: So basically, you come to Houston, we get you to come, and you get no relaxation. I like that.
0: <laughs> it worked out all right. <laughs> I'm still standing or sitting, and yeah. No, it was really good. I felt that... There's a rumor you
1: might be back next year.
0: Oh, is that right?
1: Yeah, I've I've heard that rumor.
0: I love rumors. I like rumors like that. Yeah,
1: it's just a rumor, though, so who knows? Who knows?
0: (laughs) Who knows? Watch this rumor space.
1: Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But for those of you that listen to the podcast, Robin is definitely in favor of Visa coming back next year. (laughs) So is Visa, by the way. (laughs) Ah, good. Then it's probably going to happen. What, what things are you looking forward to over the next year that you think you're going to do? Um, hmm.
0: I think I need to work through a lot more diligently my data backlog and publish more. I'm still sitting on a number of articles that should have come out a long time ago. One one is on vocal satisfaction of transmasculine speakers. How happy is your average, friendly, common garden variety, transgender man with their voice one year into their transitioning or maybe two years into their transitioning? The common concept is that, oh, they're totally happy. Testosterone takes everyone for this wonderful ride and everyone ends up with this beautiful, movie booming movie voice. But this is not what we see when we start pulling people. So that's something I really want to write up. I'm also really excited to collect a couple of more speakers in my binder project to uh, really look into the details, like the really hardcore lung capacity measurements to really, really capture where exactly things happen when uh, the binders are squishing someone. So that's another one. And I'm... I think there is now really a great call to figure out how happy trans feminine people are with vocal surgery. This is something that I haven't seen anyone tackle. and But as a result, we're sending women all over the world to surgeons that we don't know a whole lot about.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. I mean, people are like, yeah, I had good experience with Dr. Blah. But you have people who are like, I didn't have a good experience with Blah. My voice is not what I wanted. So, yeah, that could get me in big trouble, by the way. So I'm a little bit hesitant about that.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, it needs to be done at some point. Well, if you don't get in trouble, you probably didn't try hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> is this usually my approach? That's way
0: forward. <laughs> yeah, that's my way forward. I just can absolutely foresee that if we use the names of the centers or the names of the cities, even like people who work in city X do something or don't do something or the vocal satisfaction of trans women
1: is low, high, mid, non-existent. Yeah, you have to be really sure of what you're saying regardless. But exactly, exactly. And, and that sometimes is not that easy.
0: Yeah, so we'll, 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 we'll see how bold I get with that.
1: So, so as you were going through what you just went through, that what you're doing, it occurs to me, where is your accent from? <laughs> because it did change and vary, and it, it went all over the place. I would never change my accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: right. Ah.
1: Um, my
0: accent is coming from different places than I myself come from. So that makes it even more of a mongrel. <laughs> So the genetic material behind the voice comes from Hungary, but the accent comes from Hungary, UK, US, and New Zealand.
1: And how do they play together? <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're having tiny, tiny fights. Um. <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes uh, I lived in the north of the UK, so I still have some of the, some of the phrasing and some of the sounds like, not much look as opposed to not much luck, because it sounds there uh, like that. And I also come from, obviously, Hungary, so I am quite happy to slip into a nice Hungarian or Russian-accented English, because sometimes you need to use that to terrify your neighbor. (laughs) I find people (laughs) react really well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And New Zealand, I guess, is just laid over the top?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So over the past seven years, apparently I... So I used to have past seven years and Ah. now I have past. I used to have dance, now I have dance.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I used to have grass, now I have grass. And I used used to have like the nice short E sound like kit and fit and bit. And now it's cut and fit and bit. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, New Zealand. (laughs) Yeah. So, there's a little bit of everything in there. And obviously, I still have most of my R's intact, right? Like uh, the car is parked in Harvard Yard, as opposed to the car is parked in Harvard Yard, the car is parked in Harvard Yard, <laughs> and so on. So, uh, British and Welsh and Northern British Englishes and obviously New Zealand Englishes are not terribly R-full. In fact, they're R-less as much as it gets. And American English is very R-full.
1: How many people guess all of that? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. A lot of people are really good at guessing where accents came from. I, I'm I'm betting not many make oh,
0: it. Oh, Lordy. Even people who think they're good at it are going to be caught out. So I was giving a talk uh, to year 14 students, a whole room full of them, most of them Kiwis, local kids. So these are kids in there, 17, 18 years-ish, give or take. And I was talking about forensics, and I, I'm really putting my effort, energy into and I'm trying to excite them. And they're excited, and I'm like, do you have questions? And they're like, where are you from?
1: <laughs> Wasn't the one you wanted.
0: I'm like, oh, okay. I turned it around, So yeah. what do you think? Profile me. Can you profile me linguistically? And then the people are like, Malaysia. No, Canada. <laughs> I'm like... A uh, Malaysian Canadian—that's me. <laughs> yeah, geographically, kind of averages out at this point, right? <laughs> so Malaysia is halfway between New Zealand and I don't know Hungary, maybe. Not really. No, not really. But yeah, it was a good try.
1: Interesting. Uh, what do you do for relaxation, fun? exercise, whatever. I work in forensic cases. No,
0: no, I do. But uh, to really switch my brain off, I, uh, over the weekends, I'm either found on a bicycle on top of a mountain or dancing tango. Uh.
1: (laughs) Ah. Right? Tango dancing.
0: Tango dancing. Mm -hmm. See, I did that vowel just for you. Yes. Tango dancing.
1: I I, I heard that.
0: Good, good, good. Just check in, just check (laughs) in.
1: So, in Houston, you've been here
0: pretty close to a week.
1: Yeah, that's true. Very, very close to actually. I, I think I, a week.
0: It's seven. It's seven p.m. or eight p.m. Yes, or so that's exactly about exactly your week. plane
1: got in very late, but that's a different story.
0: Flying through a storm, you know how that goes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, what's the most interesting thing you found? I know you talked to lots of people. You've been with lots of groups. You've done all of that. We, you know, done uh, food. You've done all sorts of things. What, what's what's the most interesting or fun, if you want to put it that way, thing you found? Because you seem to be enjoying most of what you're doing here.
0: Oh yeah, I think it's the people, hands uh-huh. down, hands down. It's the warmest community, very cohesive, and they're just generally really good fun. It's um yeah, I think I think that's what I would take away. I could could pick a number of things that were positive obviously or happy-fying but really um as the people that made this trip and my previous uh, seven years when i lived here absolutely
1: so when when we were talking about doing the podcast and i said it'd be an interview and i'd interview you you said well why don't i interview you so if you want to go for it Ooh, (laughs) free reign and and Um, and just remember i do have the ability to edit
0: (sighs) That's
1: the problem.
0: Whoever wields the knife always wins. But exactly.
1: <laughs> well, usually Kristen edits them, but you know, I might have to send her a pre-edited version <laughs> if it gets too far away or anything. Ooh,
0: now I'm excited. Um, you're someone who has a lot of languages, and it's not necessarily languages or languages. Wait, wait, l- let's, let's make this really clear.
1: When oh, yeah. you say a lot of languages... I'm pretty fluent in probably four or three languages fluent, and I can understand a fourth, maybe a fifth. How many do you have? Define have. How many languages can you basically understand?
0: Define basically.
1: (laughs) To any degree that would make them mildly functional. Now you're going to want mildly defined. So let's say,
0: how many languages can I read a shopping list in? And directions, let's say. Hmm, let me round down, many. (laughs) No, the reason for it is that I grew up with two, and then I went to school and then learned a third, and then learned the fourth, still in Hungary, and I moved about, and then I picked up languages that I worked on, but never ended up being a fluent speaker of. So, for example, I edited dictionaries of languages that I do not speak. (laughs) And my name is associated with word lists and dictionaries. But if someone tries to talk to me in that language, I'll be probably waving my hands saying like, it's about cat and bicycle. But what happened to them? I'm n- I have no idea.
1: That's actually interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there are languages that I read, but I won't be able to say a whole lot. Those are the accidental ones, like Dutch, which we know is just drunken German, right? Spoken <laughs> by English people. Right,
1: that, that's- <laughs> my that's the way i understand dutch also right <laughs> it's, it's plus sort of like, minus well, potato you know in back the map. away from it a little bit so it blurs a little and you can read it as german
0: exactly exactly something like that yeah.
1: okay so you were getting to the asking me when you made the comment about me having a lot of languages that's and I'm right. like, no not compared to you but anyway so
0: oh you didn't wait for it so i was gonna say you have a lot of languages and some of them are not tied to countries but identities all true exactly so, some of your languages or idiolects, like person based dialects, are based around gender. How many do you think you have? Genders? Mm -hmm. or gender like languages ways of communication the the
1: interesting thing is i've never thought about this the way you just phrased it but as i think about it i'm gender fluid and it is truly a continuum for me so there's there's you know an infinite number of gradations etc but when you brought the language part up Mm -hmm. all of a sudden i'm thinking about where i switch the way i present myself vocally yep and and it's not something I specifically do. It just, just happens. And there's at least four, maybe five. Crikey. Okay. Um, you know, there there is the male and <clears throat> it'll drop in in a second. And, you know, it, it's not <laughs> a whole because I'm talking about being male. He and, drops in and, and will and, visit. And, you know, and that sort of thing. And then there's more the what I consider professional female, which mm-hmm. is a little bit quicker. It's And here it goes. <laughs> it, it It's a little bit there. It's a little bit deep and I don't worry about dropping down on it. And then there's what um, I would consider the alternative lifestyle female type thing, which is a very, very different language. It's a very different approach. It's it's pretty adamant on an awful lot of levels. And then there's what feels like the the more I'm being the transgender community person and I'm out in events and those sorts of things where it, it goes into more of a, a caring, a discussion type thing mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and open to receive rather than uh, the other person. Uh, direction of it and and then there is the no you've crossed me
0: <laughs> oh I like that that's a gender it
1: is it is totally <laughs> female and it is like I, I mean you know, there, there, there's there's a saying about Texas women there's a phrase that you might as well just go away because you know you've lost when when you get a oh hell no
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know it, yeah. It's, it's
1: that phrase, and it's sort of like, "Nope, you just went across this line. you know you' you're, you're, you've lost it.
0: yeah, there's no no but, point but even I never really around. thought
1: about classifying yeah. them by by the language, but it does change for me.
0: exactly. and And
1: people know it pretty well, which is nice because I don't have to explain to them where they've sort of gone to.
0: right. It kind of makes me want to. I like almost test it like I say a word and you tell me which gender it goes with, if any. Because it might be like, oh, all of them, or mm, actually none of
1: them. Yeah, and and the words are pretty much universal. Yeah? It's more the intonation of the word.
0: Yeah, indeed. fair <laughs> enough, fair enough, I got that. Um, now I'm just wondering, like, would any of your personas use mauve as a color?
1: As mauve? Oh, yeah. It's one of the favorite colors of most of them, except the male. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the male, right. probably not. But it, it it just all depends because sometimes something like that's used for effect. It's like okay. being totally male and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a really nice mauve, whatever. But I did just switch. I, I hadn't thought about that. It, it did switch when I did it. And, and frequently that's for effect where you need to sort of back somebody off a little bit and confuse them.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's really cool that... It's not that your personas peck the words, but the word comes out and that shifts you into a persona.
1: It, it, it does sometimes. I hadn't thought about that either. So now we have two that I haven't thought about. Oh, I'm going to have to think more.
0: I feel like I'm running for a hat trick here. Let's see. Let's see.
1: <laughs> oh, we're doing hockey now.
0: Oh, is that it? Oh. Yeah, three.
1: You know, they everybody throws their hat
0: Oh, is that right? I, I never. I, knew I lived in Michigan
1: people. for a little while, so I had to learn about hockey.
0: I don't think I lived in ice hockey land ever, ever. Mm-hmm. Got to work on that. Maybe I need to... Do a... you notice
1: how I deflect when you're getting questions
0: coming out? <laughs> <laughs> no, you actually do answer them. So I, I quite appreciate uh-huh. that. All right. Um, tell me... Tell me if you're how aware you are when you're shifting your voice into various personas. Do you have it in your head that ooh, boy mode, boy mode, boy mode? Oh no, no emergency, no. drop I, the pitch.
1: I, I'm very aware of where I'm coming from, but the voice just goes where it goes, okay. and hand movement just goes where it goes. I mean, it's <laughs> <That's> it, true. <laughs> and, and sometimes, for for instance, if I get really excited and I'm in more the female mode things get knocked over
0: i'm i'm subtitling alexis right now hands are all over the place <laughs> and they're flying like circular flight is what we're imagining well, that's because here.
1: i've got one tied down almost <laughs> to oh. keep it from flopping all over both sides
0: yeah we're, we're sparing the microphones but only exactly <laughs> all right so do you think this is just anyone and everyone who can just shift in and out of various modes, boy mode, girl mode, in between mode, a gender mode.
1: I don't think so. I mean, mm. I, I, I'm truly gender fluid. Mm-hmm. I, I frequently wish that I'd pick an end, <laughs> either one. It's just like pick something, but that's not me. And, and it, it, it's fairly drastic. And I've run across only a couple other people that are even anywhere close to, mm-hmm. to that fluid. And and I think part of it is that I enjoy it and I like it. And I, it's not something I want to change. It's it's me. Yeah. I mean, like you clearly it's been very enjoying functional.
0: it. Yeah. It's not just you're functional, you're enjoying it. Like you're just as happy well, well, and, inhabiting and, and, this space as that.
1: And I see all that as tools.
0: Right. Towards?
1: Uh, as tools. Towards what? Oh, toward anything you want to do. I mean, <laughs> I, I see most things as tools. You know, like Cooking education. Cooking a good dinner? To me, education is a tool. Um the fact that I have multiple gender points of view is a tool that I can use. Right, um, right, right, right. You know, the the, the fact that I uh, have done a lot of things and, you know, can do things with my hands. Those are those are tools in addition to the tools that you can do with your hands. And, mm-hmm. and I, I see that as just something else that then, you know, your bag that you can pull it out of if you need to. Right. And, and mm. it, it, it tends to surprise people sometimes. And sometimes they're like, oh, thank God we finally got there. <laughs>
0: We've been waiting. And, and
1: there's, there's almost... It, I know a lot of people that it's like, well, that's the way I am in this situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, mine will vary all over the place and it'll be fluid regardless of the situation.
0: Right. So you don't have a society or a group of people, a community that always get one facet no. of you.
1: No, it, it's situational to what makes sense for that.
0: All right. Uh, so do you think it's the topic of the conversation? So let's say you go to your usual grocery store... What triggers boy mode versus fluidity versus other modes, girl mode? Uh, Essentially on something like that,
1: it would be if what I'm doing is not working, the situation around me changes and it needs a different view or look or something like that. Okay. Is
0: this view for you or for your conversation partners? So is this like now you need to look at the world differently? You need to shift into girl mode from if
1: something's not what i expect then i'll adjust so that it benefits me the best or so so that i can manage it the best uh if i was thinking about some situation for instance if i'm in a negotiation Mm -hmm. um and i'm doing it maybe from more male mode than anything else Mm -hmm. and it's not getting someplace i'll start looking at saying okay how would they respond to and (laughs) just let it go over there i don't move it over there i just sort of let myself move over there and usually i sense something that says it's the right way to go it Mm -hmm. it almost always works
0: right so it is then audience directed much rather than you needing to shift your entire body including your communication into girl mode or boy mode or fluidity yes so it's not you needing yeah to see the world differently it's you want others to see the world differently
1: um exactly or they're reacting some way that um i'm I'm not getting what I want out of the conversation because I'm basically crossing transactions with them and it's it's mm-hmm. not really meshing with them and I can get where I need to go by modifying the way I am. And I'm perfectly happy to do that because I'm very comfortable along the whole scale that I have.
0: So hang on, you're using it instead or in augmentation of your um, like debate or negotiation strategies?
1: Absolutely, it augments <laughs> it like crazy. It just makes it... <laughs> I'm out a of a lot re- stronger. I'm
0: out of reasons, so I'm gonna shift modes now. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've tried logic; this hasn't worked. We've tried this; this hasn't worked. So now we're gonna come at it from a totally different direction, and <gasps> okay, maybe that'll work. And, and people respond differently, <laughs> very differently, a lot of times. Oh no! And and I've I've you know done this so much that I can pretty much sense where it should go and where it shouldn't go. Okay. And, and frequently it's very counterintuitive if you looked at sort of like the the general, quote, expected norm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you, <laughs> you would think some people that would be insulted if they thought it was going differently uh, would, would you know, and they aren't. They're, they're like they just go right into it. I also, my accent actually flows toward whoever I'm talking to pretty quickly.
0: So how is your Hungarian today?
1: Actually, if you kept... Speaking in Hungarian, mine... It, darn, it just started moving. I just even felt it. I, my jaws were pulled in just a little bit. It, you know, I'm trying not to at all, but it will I just... I think you should try. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's the problem. I don't have that close of control because it goes toward whoever I'm doing. And if somebody has a really uh, hillbilly accent, to say the least, I, I'll be purely hillbilly. And, Alex, and I don't hear it. People who are with me here they don't hear it because it's not a hundred percent it's not insulting it just it just goes there
0: by the way alexis has just turned beet
1: red just saying <laughs> well i was trying not to do anything russian <laughs> or hungarian and, and,
0: there was a struggle there and, for and, a and a it moment. slipped <laughs> good
1: and, and and to me that's you know it, it it's one of the things that um, if you're communicating mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you can do you can mirror body posture true you can, you know, with voice, you're mirroring voice, but you don't want to mirror it hundred percent because then it's it can be mocking. Exactly. And you can mirror actual skin tones. What? Yeah, you can change your skin tone to mirror somebody else's skin tone, and if you I go, do that. if you go, to, you can actually what? just takes practice. If you go towards, <laughs> if you go towards someone else, they will be much more accepting. In fact, they will let you in their space, and and not be threatened.
0: I feel we need workshops. I would like, I want in on this. (laughs) But, you know, is this this mimicking this chameleon strategy? Is this, do you think it's innate in everyone? Or is is it something, it's a learned thing? Is it, it instinctive?
1: Kids do it all the time.
0: Funny you should say that. I was going to go ask you about kids.
1: And then they suppress it because apparently it's not the thing to do.
0: Right, you're not supposed to do that. And I never
1: got around to suppressing much of anything.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) So why do you think, what could be the reason behind when I'm working with women who are feminizing their voice? And there is a... there is. A lot of uh, resistance to sound in particular ways that are actually more feminine than the voice that they have.
1: Well, Well, there's a bunch of reasons. Number one, they're going through a lot of changes. Yeah. And most people resist change. True. And... Now you're asking them to do something else. And most of them have worked on something and worked up to something that they're at least comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling them, well, the thing you've worked on wasn't really necessary.
0: Yeah, and sometimes even actually like dangerous when yeah. it comes to vocal health.
1: Right. And, and so there's <clears throat> going to be resistance. Mm-hmm. Most of them, I'd be willing to bet, are working and trying it anyway. It's just they don't want to admit it.
0: I'm cool with that. Do you, you know, behind my back, although I can help a little bit more oh, if it's exactly. happening in front of me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. But but an awful lot of people, you know, at least what I've observed is that when they're transitioning, they tend to resist a lot of things. I I, right. I you know, I sort of equate it to going through the teenage years. Mhm. I, I mean it's it Yeah, just, maybe you're it, right. You gotta figure out who you are. And doing that means that you go above and below whatever your norm's going to be until you sort of even out on it and most of us are really happy when you do
0: (laughs) (laughs) so how do you think being human chameleons like many of us are and having a phase of resistance in your life how do they go together
1: Uh, you know basically the resistance to me is is something that you can control you can decide whether you're going to resist or not resist and sometimes you need Mm. to resist change but the chameleon part lets you fit in with lots of tribes and lots of different groups and Mm -hmm. and and not threaten them. I mean, because a lot of okay. it is if someone sees that someone who sees someone as threatening and those, that person is coming into their space, whatever their space is. and Some mm-hmm. people have pretty big spaces they don't want other people in. True. Then they're going to react poorly to that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you can do something that just sort of calms it down and they don't see you as threatening, then you can get into their space and actually start to influence, communicate, learn about them, do all the things that you might want to do.
0: Right, right. I mean, I did notice that, that some people are more readily uh, let you in, even as someone who comes in specifically to help with voice. And some are welcoming that, like, ooh, take it apart. Take it all apart and let us reassemble it. And some people are like, I don't like that. I, I actually don't like that. And like, that's okay. You don't have to sound like that. You just need to be well, able to sound like that.
1: You run into, uh, one of the things that I've seen in some other situations is people who are very open. They really want to change. They really want to get this fixed. Right. Until you actually start saying, well, you need to change this. <laughs> and then suddenly that openness just is there (laughs)
0: right or yeah or maybe some I sometimes I feel that maybe the tools are not there I mean we started out with the whole thing that I'm using big words or exactly (laughs) yeah so that might be an issue and that's definitely on me but um, yeah I wonder if that's actually um, the fact that we don't speak the same language in the sense that we don't speak the same terminology like you know I might say to someone I would like it to be softer. Well, but <clears throat> and they hear something else. For them, soft is quiet. For me, is a voice quality not as harsh. For example, so they go quieter. I'm like, you yeah, no.
1: But just about every discipline develops their own set of language and what i consider big words to exclude people so it does hey, it really well
0: <laughs> it's not for exclusion it's for
1: being then you could use smaller words that to be Germanistic as opposed to oh, probabilistic so we're, really, we're, we're doing the german version versus the <laughs> french version of something
0: in a way yeah exactly yes give yeah. us pigs not you know pork
1: yeah <laughs> exactly Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, medical profession has done that for years, so have a lot of others, lawyers. I mean, the only reason for using a lot of the terms that people use are so that it makes you somewhat exclusive. And frequently, mm. it's really hard to explain it in language that's not the exclusive language. It no, also I... is a shorthand because you don't have to use a thousand words to explain one.
0: Exactly. But now you're making me worried that... Someone might see my technical terminology as exclusionary, right? Something that I say to someone during well, a session. If you're
1: using terminology that 95% of the world doesn't understand, it's exclusionary. It doesn't mean you're trying to.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. I'm actually quite happy because you're estimated that speech and voice people are now 5% of the world. I did. We are taking over very, well, very you slowly. Have to, you have to
1: include the people who you know, study weird words all the time, and that's what they do in their spare time is find words that no one else knows because I know a few of those.
0: What a cool job. I I want to be paid for that.
1: (laughs) They don't get paid. It's just their thing. I already have jobs like that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I have several of those.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Although they're fun, I must say.
1: I think you're better at interviewing than me. It could just be because I'm on this end and it's easier. I'm not sure.
0: Oh no, I'm just making you talk and I'm analyzing your voice, that's all.
1: That, that's what I figured. I mean that I already had it here. So I guess I should immediately go someplace else, except you know, I'm still recovering from problems with my throat, so
0: <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah.
1: I have paperwork to prove it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll have
1: measurements to prove you're wrong. <laughs> So so what other questions would you ask to analyze my voice? Um,
0: In a way, I kind of have... So I I want to fill out, obviously, how people feel about themselves, how many gendered personas are hiding in that one carrier body. And like, you told could take me weeks. that. You just <laughs> started you, the I told this. you, got got you the ones
1: that I saw is very distinct and aware was aware. Oh, of. I see. I don't know what else may be around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the ones with names got introduced. The, other, the other's actually, are higher. There
1: are a couple or three that have their own name. But there that you is you correct.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I usually want to find out about who I'm talking to who's as in who plural i'm talking to yeah.
1: the, the nice thing about mine is they're totally integrated so you're talking to one you're talking to all it's, it's not oh, like something I'm else glad it, they, they passed just, the message just you on. know it, it, it's sometimes uh, especially after alcohol which i haven't had tonight um, a question of who gets to answer
0: <laughs> all right yeah so uh, after all of these i tend to want to just scurry away with your voice and measure it in a nice and dark corner where speech people live you know because mm. at that point I would, <laughs> I would. well okay but there's another thing
1: too and that is my voice and various things changed significantly oh a few years ago when I had a couple of these voice sessions where someone was talking about the various things you can do to change how you sound that, right. that would be the person on the other microphone right? long ago. And, uh-huh. and though I don't remember the big words for them, I pretty much remember how you do it because they're quite functional.
0: Right. And, you know, both as a forensic speech person, speech scientist, forensic linguist, and also as a voice person who is interested in accents and voice quality and gender, I would probably um, believe you. But... But I would still measure things because I believe that there is is anything you don't measure. Um, Um, like, well, let me think. Let me think. Nope, nope. I measure. That
1: would be the scientist side, I think.
0: That would be the quantitative side, and then there is a qualitative, caring person somewhere there. You you might have met, may not. Who knows? Yeah,
1: could be. (laughs) I'm less. Of a measurement person because I'm a behavioral economist by training. So
0: how is economy not a quantitative
1: field? Because you can't measure behavior well enough to make it quantitative. Now oh, I can measure everything he... that comes out on it. But Thereby, I can also it prove. Is I can also prove to you that it's basically behavioral.
0: Yeah, but behavior is measurable
1: uh, to some degree.
0: Everything we
1: can when, measure when, everything. When you, oh, we measure everything. I'm not sure whether they're valid. <laughs> Oh, don't get bogged down in small things. Come on Yeah, now. there we go. No, no. So I... if you analyze your voice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hear
1: it all the time. Yep. Of course, you only hear it from the inside, not the outside. Except you probably record it a lot.
0: Um, By accident, mostly. Because I'm recording clients talking. So my voice will be on the tape. Because I like to show them that, for example... I speak lower with a lower pitch than most trans feminine clients that I work with. So that's how my voice gets on tapes all the time. But
2: yeah.
1: So, so how would you see your voice? Do you have you have a bunch of different accents? Not really. I
0: mean, see, that's what I was trying to say, that even though you have a lot of accents or languages or gender identities, there is still a physiological carrier body that all of those are coming out of. And if we dig long enough, we are able to mine uh, basically some amount of quantitative stuff out of your voice that describes the carrier body and not the genders, the moods, the topic, the intoxicant in your system. What I'm trying to say is that biometrics is a field on its own. When we mine out um, invariable things about a speaker from their voice. So for example, How tall is someone just from the way they speak? Whether they're using girl voice, boy voice, neutral, shifting, and so on.
1: I know one person who's very tall, who's very hefty, and has a voice that's way above anything I could even do if I wanted to try. Mm. And it's their real honest voice.
0: I'm not surprised. This does happen. I I know,
1: and I was just thinking when you were saying that, I was like, that's not anything anyone would ever guess.
0: True, but I wonder if you could still measure it. I mean, there are you, a lot of things. You might be able,
1: that, that, that's exactly what I was wondering. I'm like, if yeah. there's something in there.
0: I mean, there are a lot of things that we're not able to see or hear, but they're there. Hello, What, what types of things are you
1: measuring when you measure those? Oh, now we're going to get really geeky, but we have a geeky audience, too.
0: So. We have a geeky audience. Uh, hello, geeks. I measure fundamental frequency, formant frequency, breathiness in the voice, and intonational dynamics and these are pretty much a good starting points. How do you points.
1: measure breathiness?
0: Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, you typically would look at the first two harmonics of um, the whole voice, and their relative intensity will tell you if someone is speaking with a so-called modal voice, the one that I'm using right now, or breathy voice quality like the one I'm using right now. Or creaky voice quality that I'm using right now, because the respective peaks are going to be. Ah, uh, okay. So, so you're,
1: or you're you're pretty much looking at the comparison between where the they're picking them. Pe- you know. yeah. Interesting. I know. I mean, <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> the, the other ones I sort of know how you measure, but that right, one, exactly. that one I was like, how do you get that one? in Hang there? on, yes. And from all that type stuff, you come up with theories and things that can help people do what they want to do and. Yeah, and be who they want to be, and and all that. And that that's mm-hmm. sort of cool.
0: Yeah. See, quantitative fields are beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but the quantitative
1: people think everything can be measured.
0: And you know what? <laughs> <laughs> They're right. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the you know, I'm sitting here talking to a person who divides up some fried rice earlier this evening, <laughs> and and we were discussing which bowl had the most fried rice in it and i'm like let's put it on a balance it was 15 grains of rice at most off from being totally even <laughs> which, which was uh, sort of perplexing to be really
0: honest <laughs> i'm glad you evened it out by eating oh, the 15 yeah, offensive like grains to make it completely even <laughs> to make the scale properly levitate and wobble right yeah that was very nice <laughs>
1: Uh, so, yeah, everything's quantitative. I got that.
0: (laughs) You know, everything is quantitative until you have to answer it, right? So a quantitative person will say number or bigger or smaller or no difference. But then we have the question, why? Good luck answering that with a number, right? Uh Like, who is taller? Mm -hmm. Bob. Who (laughs) has lower pitch? Sue. Why?
1: There you go. And see that, Number. <laughs> when we get to behavioral economists, the economy or behavioral economics, that's where the question comes in. It's like we know things this happened, we know this happened, we know right. that happened, but why? But why? Yeah. And basically a behavioral economist spends a lot of time on the why.
0: Yeah. I'm you know, I'm okay with and, that. Yeah. And
1: and you know, every now and then you get something that you can measure and you can look at and you can do it, but it's not really often.
0: Right. Yeah, and this is true that um if I, was, like if I was working with uh, clients who wanted to masculinize or feminize their voice, um, maybe it would help if I understood why they're able to or not able to change something. But I'm, well, arrogant enough to think that all I need to do is change it so they can try it on for size and they can discard it or wear it. I don't need to know why they're discarding it. I don't right. need to know why they are going to... Uh, adopt it
1: and see I sit there and I'm like I wonder why they didn't like that it was really good (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) not not that I'm going to act on it but that does come up a lot and
0: exactly and some are just like this is not me and sometimes they're they're more along the lines of this is not familiar this is not how I do it therefore I don't like it
1: yeah and and that's back to the a lot of people just don't like change
0: yeah, exactly, and, and that's and even I'm,
1: even if they're forcing and in the middle of change.
0: Right, exactly. Even if they're ready to change, but they're not ready to let Exa- some yeah.
1: things.
0: Yeah, but that's when I record them, ha ha ha. Because then, when they're listening to themselves, <laughs> it's very different when they're hearing themselves actually talk. So,
1: so now we have to get technical. What do you use to record people?
0: <laughs> Microphones. No. Uh, <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> oh, that's okay. This is this is going to be a long section then. <laughs>
0: Uh no, I'm a firm believer in open source software and okay. free software so i use, so you mainly
1: record on computers
0: that's right, okay, yes, and I use uh there are the basically the favorite our field, which is Prat, which is a Dutch piece of software, but you couldn't tell really by looking at it and the
1: name's a little bit Dutch sounding, but whatever
0: well, I should have said Prat then, <laughs> and now it's Dutch yeah um and it means to chat to prattle in uh, in English basically mm-hmm. and it is a cognate of English prattle prat and prattle, so hey, <laughs> nugget of wisdom here, yeah, so that's what I use. I find it very uh reliable, it's free, it's open source it exists for Linux, Unix, sun, Mac, what else exists? Oh, Windows,
1: yeah. And it's really cool to actually play with it, record yourself, and see what your voice looks like.
0: Exactly. It is able to give you a visual feedback for things that you may or may not be able to perceive just yet in your voice. And it also can give you, what? The numbers. <laughs> yes, but that's something you want to practice anyway, right? Yeah, well,
1: yeah, because you you do want to be able to cuss in every version of yourself. Exactly. It, it's a really important thing, although I find the German version is really good.
0: Right, exactly, but only if it's the right tone yeah, and intonation. Yes, yes contour.
1: And you have to get into there.
0: Yeah, and you know, you think you're joking, but this is one oh, big no, issue. Oh no, I'm not joking on okay. this one. Okay, <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, no, 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 no. Because even uh, people who are really, really, really good in their authentic voice, if they have to clear their throat, if they have to sneeze, if they spontaneously erupt laughing, will drop into an inauthentic register. Yep. Right? It's very hard to control your pitch when you're sneezing. (laughs) Let me tell you that. (laughs) Right? Next time you sneeze, do you try to be a melodic alto or a mezzo-soprano or whatever you pick, right?
1: You could probably cause yourself some damage even trying. I may be wrong. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Controlling it at that point, it's like, nope, it just does what it does.
0: Exactly. But what if you are really good at your authentic voice, but there are these involuntary things like cursing. Uh that will give you away. So yes, cursing is super important.
1: Please practice. I never thought, I mean, I pretty much have the cursing down in just about every version of me. So
0: there you go. (laughs) Yeah. But doctor's orders.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I can blame you now for it. Excellent. Exactly. I like that. I'm going to have to save this segment, (laughs) but (laughs) just just because. Yes. Uh, uh, You know, I find that really interesting and and, uh, just a lot of the things that the voices can show. And it, it it goes with a lot of the other things on how you interact with people. Mm-hmm. Um, voice is one of the things I see the least of. I see you know body posture and, and mirroring and those things all the time, and people talk about them all the time, uh, but but voice isn't one of them. And I actually realized that I used it a lot. Right. Then after we sat down and you went through the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> If we have to, if we have to go there, uh, realize a lot more how much I use it, yeah. and, and how influential it can actually be. So that there's there's mm-hmm. there's things that I think a lot of people don't think about that they can get out of adjusting their voice or controlling their voice or understanding their voice that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, might actually be quite helpful to them.
0: Exactly, and I think you know. Uh, I don't know who said that an unexamined life is not worth living. <laughs> well, you get to examine. I even keep your hoping
1: adults. mine is, but it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I'm try like, hard. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, but numbers, numbers is good. You know, the place nightclub, right?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, if we're, you know, looking at those sorts of things and, and with voices, where are the ethics in this? I mean, is it ethical to change someone's voice or to, to profile someone because of their voice or their writings or those things?
0: Uh, profile as in like uh, naive listeners have some percept or Forensic or policing. You're forces. acting like I
1: knew what I meant by that word when I said it. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I, I left it for definition. Just say All right.
0: Um, I mean, humans will do it no matter what. The brain has, you know, very few functions for you. It has. It's doing only a few things, such as it's keeping you alive, and it's analyzing patterns madly. So if it finds patterns like, oh, this person sounds like the person who I know from this context, ethnicity, country, gender, then your brain, you know, besides keeping you alive, is going to bin the incoming input. So this kind of profiling will happen. Okay, I uh, see, some people are better at this whole serial pa- parallel processing. Yeah, than well, I'm just so. saying,
1: mine seems to spend a lot of time on the mm-hmm. coming up with new things that eventually mean that my life is going a different direction whether I like it or not. Usually but, good, usually for the good.
0: So you have a built-in randomizer, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> and, and random
1: walk is the best way to get most places, I'm convinced.
0: Oh, there you go. See, I work with random forests. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> Randoms yeah. are good. And so we completely
1: avoided any ethics around, you know, assuming that people are a certain way based on measurements. Mm-hmm.
0: What is the ethics in doing yeah. that? If you have like a voluntary neural reaction, which this is it, you're putting things and people and voices and smells into bins, I don't quite see how the ethics comes in. It's an instinctive neural reaction. Mm. If you're using it for good or evil, and you know that you're using it for good or evil, then yeah, we can start talking about
1: ethics. Mm. Okay, so basically what you're saying is that you're reporting on it as opposed to encouraging or aggrandizing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, as a researcher, I'm in the reporting business, right? Um, if I end up as an applied person and help people modify their voice, then yeah, obviously we're going to have to move into more ethicsy sides of the story.
1: Yeah, so, no ethics, not kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, this is a very good question, right? I mean, the entire field is slowly shifting into. Uh, an informed consent-based care. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if I'm seeing it in voice all that much. And that might be because it's largely reversible.
1: So, so what's occurring to me as I'm sitting here yeah. is there's quite a few things that, for instance, I've done as a consultant mm-hmm. where we're working with business people on how they can be more effective in whatever it is they do. Uh-huh. And a lot of it is with other people okay and none of it has ever come close to any of the voice things that you're talking about Uh, mainly it's like well you need to be a little bit quieter because you're scaring people or Uh you need to speak up that's about as far as it goes right and it it just occurred to me that there very well may be a, a slot for more
0: I see, I see. Um, yeah, entirely. I mean, maybe if someone has a really good sense of that they might be intimidating, maybe they could develop an oral resonance that creates the percept of a smaller body, maybe and things like that. although that wouldn't necessarily well, be.
1: Fre- frequently, it's just the sound. You know, it, it, yeah,
0: it. but the sound is not just the sound. The sound has a lot of things <laughs> in it, like voice quality, pitch, uh-huh. the melody of your voice, and then the resonances. So, sound is not just sound. Sound is millions of variables on top of each other. So that's what I'm saying. Like in a in a really funny way, we don't have the language to talk about language. Right? So that's that's, we're that's why
1: you keep making bigger words. Right? Exactly.
0: I'm going to soon switch into German so I can start yeah. combining them Throw as them well. Throw them all
1: together and by the time you get to the end, you've forgotten what that subject exactly. was. Exactly. Who needs that anyway?
0: Yeah. But you know that it was red. Right? You know? First thing first. Yeah. So um, hmm. Yeah.
1: So what what do you see in your field coming next? You mentioned that that people are moving into being more, um, what I want to say, uh, helping people and working with people mm-hmm. more than just the research. Is that where you think some of it's going? Um, For
0: speech-language pathology, for sure, yeah. It seems so. There, Now um, practitioners are training to be more culturally competent. They're also training to be... Um, Efficient, so they're not wasting client time. So, yeah, certainly there is an effort. But there's also, as we open more and more Pandora's boxes, we need to do also more and more research to really understand what's going on, which then can feed into clinical yeah. practice.
1: What type of things do uh, clinical speech pathologists deal with? um i like to call them therapists because you know
0: transgender voice care is not a pathology okay so, thera- i'm good, with, I'm good with that and actually i um i still battle with some part of the professional community i don't like to call them therapists because that still also implies that something's wrong right so i like to call them specialists or voice care professionals maybe yeah sorry what was the question <laughs>
1: What do they do? (laughs) What do they do? Yeah, what do they do? I mean, what do they deal with and those sorts of things?
0: Right. So it's a broad field that is going to work with mostly disordered speech, such as uh, uh, young people with stammering, stuttering, lisp, uh, language uh, impairments, like cognitive delay that uh, impacts the language. They also work with trauma, such as the the language uh, that results from a stroke, aphasia, mm-hmm. dementia, Parkinson's. They also work with hearing problems, such as cochlear implants, um, uh, hearing loss, uh, similar things, and also swallowing disorders. Funnily enough, they ended up in this bin, people who work on swallowing disorders.
1: You know, most of those are in my mind, somewhat reparative.
0: Exactly, exactly. So for a very long time, this was a field that was fixing something that was wrong, but it was wrong that they included transgender voice care into it. Yeah. Now there is more of an... That's what
1: I was thinking, that that's not the same thing at all.
0: Exactly, but we had to convince them. And this was a battle. Like in publications, this was a constant battle that I don't want to call... The voice or vocal uh, health service provider, a therapist or a pathologist. Mm-hmm. There's nothing disordered about wanting to sound authentic, right?
1: Well, you wouldn't call someone who is training someone to sing. Exactly. You know, that sort exactly. of thing. I mean, it, it, and it, it's really the same thing.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You're absolutely correct. So we actually see now a rise in. Non-disordered, uh, speech-oriented services such as accent modification for business purposes, accent modification for acting and theatrical. Where,
1: where you know, you you actually that seems like some place that that would be very useful.
0: Possible, possible, although sadly that that area mostly focuses on how to win arguments or how to get rid of your ex-accent. And that makes me unhappy (laughs) because it just, again...
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with winning arguments. No,
0: but if as a result you have to somehow sound white... Or male, <laughs> or cis male, or heterosexual, or
1: well, that's a problem.
0: Middle class, then that's again, just like my speech at the unity banquet. That what is the definition of normal? Yeah. How come no one else can be normal? Well,
1: and, and that gets back to the ethics question. That that's exactly the area okay. I was looking at with ethics. You know, it, it's, it almost seems like that uh, that, that that area. You should work on making it acceptable as opposed to changing it.
0: Yeah, although um, here's the thing. Um, If we're talking about accent modification, if it is to replace your original, authentic, ethnic, gendered uh, speech, I'm not for it, right? We don't want to scrub you and turn you into a cishet white male, but if it's additive, like I, we understand that you have, let's say, an accent that is associated with ethnicity. You do not identify as straight or cis. You are not a male, but something else. Let's keep that intact. And let's add something else to it. Another dialect of you, basically.
1: Okay, I mean, that, that makes sense. That and makes you
0: get to choose when you use which. I'm okay with that but pushing ethnicity kids to lose yeah. their accent is yeah and that's not sort of ethical like, uh,
1: I've known over the years quite a few people who were very good radio announcers and I always find it really interesting their radio voice has nothing to do with their actual speaking <sighs> voice
0: that is so sad.
1: you know it it's mm. it uh, you, you can just almost predict exactly what it's going to be right <laughs> it's all the same
0: yeah, you need to mainstreamize yourself. That's why I enjoy watching movies that are not shot either in mainstream languages or not mainstream dialects of mainstream languages. I'm super excited to watch something that uh, takes place in Northern Ireland and they actually speak Belfast version of Irish English. Yeah, I, I
1: always love the actors that try to fake an accent oh, and, no, and no, don't even no. come close. It's like, okay, so this is a comedy. And I know, that <laughs> was, was so a good annoying.
0: <laughs> and I must... So I just recently watched um, uh, Top of the Lake, I believe, which is a wonderful, I think, six-episode series, murder mystery kind of thing. And the detective, the whole thing takes place in New Zealand, and the detective is... Elizabeth Moss. You might know her from Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, which is fine, but... Oh, my Lord. It's not like New Zealand is short in uh, actresses. That's just no good reason. And then her accent is this terrifying mishmash of American, British, Australian, and you know, in traces, it may contain Kiwi English. And I always love this generalization. Like my accent is obviously a beautiful mongrel that has everything in it. And I love it how in the U.S., again, like this week, everyone is like, you sound Australian (laughs) and Kiwi. And if any Kiwi ever listens to me, as they tend to do when I lecture, they're like, you sound still so American. <laughs> like, right. Everyone is pointing at each other. Like, you sound reasonably fluent and native-like. And y- you're definitely not from here. You are from the other side of an ocean. Right. I mean, not from
1: here. Because you don't sound New Zealand to me, but I exactly. know people who are New Zealand. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, it, some
0: of the women I worked with this week, uh, I think they're casually read about me here and there. So they're like, oh... I could tell immediately that you're from Australia, I'm like... Could you? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, you missed a few bits and bobs about my bio, but that's right. fine. I'm not worried. Close
1: enough. I mean, someplace else in the world, close enough. I mean.
0: Us Canadian Malaysians are yes. not worried about these identifications.
1: <laughs> I'm actually trying to figure out what Canadian Malaysian would sound like, and it would be different.
0: Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, please let us know. <laughs> <Right>. We're curious.
1: <laughs> okay, so... What else we want to talk about?
0: Um, I don't know. Um, Argentine tango. OK. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that's a brilliant topic. You no, know, I'm just so proud of my little community uh, in New Zealand. I started probably around 2014-ish. And back then, when I went to classes and wanted to lead, It was a bit of a struggle. They're like, oh, you want to lead? That's so nice. Oh, we're short on women. Could you please follow? And you know, whenever we were short on women, they would never ask male presenting leads to follow, just the female presenting ones. And I got really grumpy because I was paying for those classes to go as a lead. Doesn't matter how people perceived me. And then it became more and more accepted. I I, I didn't start a change. I was part of the change, obviously, who who insisted that despite looking, presenting possibly as female, not feminine, really, uh, we want to lead. And now it's no one bats an eye. I mean, we had a number of teachers who are female identifying and presenting. So no one bats an eye. But as of just maybe about a year or two, there are some men who are happy to follow. But they're only happy to follow whom? Women, or female presenting uh, people, right? So it's perfectly fine well, in the community for women to lead women, and it's okay to for women to lead
1: men, but. But, but the, okay, my impression is that in New Zealand, y'all yeah. the um, perception of men doing things with men if they're physically touching is very 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 taboo
0: mm, not more taboo than it used to be in the United States probably well, yeah but we've changed yeah exactly <laughs> you know? y'all, y'all have and, been working and, and, like and that. you
1: know you're out there in the middle of no place nothing but water around you lots of sheets <laughs> we
0: have cities <laughs> Yeah, a couple. Uh, you know. Easily two digits of them. Yeah, no, many, 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 many cities.
1: You know, it, 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 it it's sort of like the Galapagos Islands, where, you know, it's isolated <laughs> so it keeps its own character.
0: Yeah, maybe, uh, my maybe. New
1: Zealand friends are going to kill me if they hear this one. I hope
0: they will, because <laughs> otherwise I'll have to. <laughs> yeah, but as of this year, I think I remember that this is the year where... a. A traveling teacher came from Argentina, and he is a queer male who leads and follows. And he's a fantastic follow.
1: Fantastic. As you're talking about this, I'm thinking about one of our other speakers at the Unity Bank with Cassandro.
0: I know. I (laughs) bet he would be probably really good at both.
1: (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Cassandra. I think, would sort of say, what do we need?
0: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. How do I even the numbers tonight? Yeah. 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 Exactly.
1: Yeah, I've done that, too. Good. We count on everyone. You know, it's more or less of a what do we need so we can have fun because I'm bored.
0: Exactly. And that's why I never understood, like, if there are people who are sitting out, dances, why don't they just switch sides?
1: (laughs) Well, we may be more fluid than others. (laughs)
0: Possible. But I don't see it as fluidity. I just see it as bilingualism. Right? I'm not in between. I'm, because I'm, you I'm see between.
1: everything. Never mind. Uh, true, true, <laughs> it's, true, true. It's like, you know, everything's speech, whatever. But anyway. It, but it is true.
0: Yes. But as of this year, men in my community dance with a traveling male teacher. Excellent. And they did not catch fire. They weren't, you know, smitten by, uh, I don't know, hail or rocks. Or Which, God's when wrath. When you have
1: volcanoes, there's a possibility. True.
0: True, true, true. I'm glad there were no earthquakes, because probably people would have taken it on themselves. Yeah, like, I did, but... I did this. I danced with
1: him. See what <laughs> happens. Yeah. Never again.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I should answer your question, because what I love about tango is the communication. Okay. It is the type of dance that will tune two humans together to move as one body with four legs literally and that Mm -hmm. means that you have to have basically one brain no it's harmonizing the two brains together Mm -hmm. i mean even the lead doesn't know where they're gonna move next and the movements are reasonably fast it's not a choreographed dance so neither the lead nor the follow can predict where they go next but the follow has to have microsecond. So you're, just, you're sensing and following. Sort of like, yes. Yeah. And funnily enough, so does the lead. Because they have to follow what the follow followed.
1: <laughs> right? Okay, that just got really circular.
0: Guess what? Tango is circular yeah, in circular. a lot of ways. So, yes. So I, I absolutely admire that. And I admire that that's one type of movement that really takes up all your brain but somehow takes you out of your brain and puts you
1: in your body. It takes you away from the world for a while.
0: Yes, but not just because of the euphoria and the pleasure and the touch and embrace of another human being but also the excitement of this uh, fast reactive game that moves to the tune of another body and to the tune of, of to fantastic music.
1: I highly recommend it to everyone. I can tell you enjoy it.
0: I really do. I really, really do. It's something that I haven't experienced in any other kind of dance. I've done teeny tiny amount of salsa. I did some amount of swing and blues. I have 10 years training in ballet.
1: I've spent a lot of time tripping.
0: Tripping? Um, on what?
1: Everything when I'm dancing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, well, everything gets you high. That's
2: good.
1: I had a huge disadvantage because, you know, when everyone was learning to dance, I was the one playing drums. Hey, we need so, you. So, so I can move to the rhythm, but I don't know where I'm going it's because I got to stay within reach, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, last year, uh, the WPATH conference, World Professional Association for Transgender Health Conference was in Buenos Aires. So I was doubly excited, I get to go to the home of tango and I get to go to the big biennial conference of the field. So, and randomly I bumped into festivals where you had... uh, Do you know candombe as a genre?
1: I know the word. If you you said define it, no, no idea.
0: Candombe is basically you have, let's say, five to ten drummers, and they do a Latin American, Ah, Brazilian, whatnot, Argentinian-influenced rhythm that comes largely from the indigenous population. And then you have some 5200 dancers behind them I managed to walk into a Candombe festival which meant you had 200 gangs of 10 drummers and 100, 200 people following them I stood on that one corner for some 4 hours and with my limited Spanish I managed to ask people like how long has this been going on and they're like oh they started at 10am it's 8pm now I don't think they're finishing before 2, 3am And that was just on one location in in the city, all the crews and gangs just marching down the street. That was amazing. So drummers, we need drummers for music.
1: Well, yes. (laughs) I've always felt that.
0: Right. Yeah. uh, Where was that? Uh, You mean this... The Candombe. uh, The Candombe Festival that was in Buenos Aires. Okay. At at the corner of Mexico and Piedras in case you were wondering. Probably it's going to be on the route this year as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think pass is going to be in Buenos Aires this year, though.
0: No, last year. So next year it's going to, I think, Hong Kong.
1: Mm. Interesting, especially the way things are going right now.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll see how that works.
1: So what would you like to say to everybody before we finish?
0: Oh wait, do I have to, do I have to say something for the finish or
1: this? No, before we finish? Okay, I have to enunciate. So, what would you like to say to everyone before we finish? That was horrible, but go for it.
0: No, I liked it. Good breathiness, good intonation control, very nice. Um, what would I say to people? Hmm.
1: And I didn't think it was a hard question.
0: Oh, in in that case, take your vitamins and exercise frequently.
1: <laughs> and with that,
0: no. <laughs> what can I say? Vocal health is also important. Please drink water. Good, better. Actually, right? water is really good.
1: That, that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm you not know. against it. Right. It, 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 I think most everyone agrees water is a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, something like that.
1: Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
2: If you're trans, intersex, or genderqueer and are a victim of a disaster, we can help with our Trans Disaster Relief Fund. And if you're going to college, university, or trade school, you can apply for one of our scholarships. Located in Houston, Texas, we hold weekly support group meetings and run the only community-owned transgender archive that's open to the public. If you'd like to learn more about any of this, just go to transadvocate.com. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Trans Advocate podcast. We are a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your support makes what we do possible. Resistance means nothing without supporting elected officials who won't attack trans, intersex, and queer children in our schools. They can't vote, so you're going to have to do it for them. If you live in the U.S. and are not registered to vote, we can help you with that at our site. Register and vote no matter what.